0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: Jewelry can say many things on your wedding day. As a wedding band, it can say, this is a forever symbol of our forever love. As a gift to your wedding party, it can say, thanks for standing up there with us. Blue Nile can help you find the piece
2: that says it all and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the
1: convenience
2: of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. We have rambled on and on on this show about our crazy goaltending ideas. We've got Shayna screaming at goaltenders on the bench. You've got me switching them in and out for penalties. You've got Sarah. Sarah's yelling at them never... too. <laughs> We're the two mean coaches. Yes. It's not just me. We're a team. The team that nobody <laughs> wants or <their>
1: needs. <laughs> the two coaches getting bounced every fucking game. A referee's nightmare. A goalie's
2: nightmare. Fire <laughs> us, teams. <laughs> We're ready. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Too Many Men. I feel a little out of practice. We've got a holiday. Uh, my name is Allison Lucan. And as always, I am joined by a woman who is described as such. You have a charming personality and a tremendous gift for covering hockey. And you don't have a Brett Burns beard, which is a plus. I could go on, but Everett Thompson might be reading Um, And also, uh, you stick to your guns and aren't afraid of rocking the boat if need be. That's the way I operate as well. All the best to our one and only Sarah Sivian. Sarah, how are you today? Please, I
0: almost wish I had a Brent Burns beard during this interview that we're really excited about. It That's going to come up soon because I didn't realize how sick I was. But I am on the mend, everybody. We survived the sickness
2: of 2023. And we would not be too many men if we were not joined by one of the most innovative writers. If you are not reading the content that Shayna Goldman is putting out at The Athletic right now, you are just not doing life properly, um, asking fundamental questions about how organizations are being built, when they can contend, it's just absolutely phenomenal stuff you're going to read over and over again. Shana, say hi. Hi, and
1: thanks for the inspiration on that. You took my idea up a notch with the uh, the, the idea of when when contenders are going to be good. I love that. I think it added like the right
2: thing that that story needed i always give you things for the list Shayna. i always give you things for the list speaking of the list y'all if you are watching our youtube stream and even if you're not we now have too many men burn books we also have Shayna, too many men notebooks so don't forget to check out our delightful merch that link is in our bio on our and what event. else Do
3: you and you watch me i
2: don't have it i don't mine's on it. the charger mine died i just I put it on the charger so too next show. many men Apple watch bands. (laughs) So check all that out. Be sure to get it. Sarah's is on the way. Um, Mm -hmm. We might actually have some pop up at a Kraken game soon. I'm just saying, just throwing that out there into the universe. We'll see. Um, But anyway, my friends, we have a lot to get to Sarah already told you, we have an interview coming up that we just enjoyed the heck out of. So we're going to be quick on our hockey related news today and then let the superstar that we have joining us take over. Um, But for my friends, it's time Sarah, your favorite segment. Biddle News. <laughs>
1: I love it now, so much. Can we add to Biddle News? We have a Biddle merch coming soon. What is that Biddle merch? Some
2: Biddle News merch. With a clover <laughs> as requested. Just in time for St. Patrick's Day. We got to get that up for the St. Patrick's Day gear, Shayna finishing it up it was it was not the easiest to do but uh big shout out to my sister
1: who does not listen to this podcast only one does the other doesn't alexa so you know she helped a lot on that uh that logo for us
2: wait so alexa does listen to the
1: podcast or does no, not? not you alexa stop, stop. That's <laughs> That's me hey this alexa listen to the
2: podcast thing. i know uh, <laughs> i know okay i feel well, like let's nick our- miller yelling at technology sorry That's okay. Let's get to our bit-o news, my friend. And of course, first, there was the big Toronto trade, because of course we have to ask, how does this affect the Leafs? Uh, My friends, the Leafs are going in on their big ticket player so that they can hopefully beat tampa who's to say uh their trade is as follows acquiring ryan o'reilly and noel achari in a three team trade with st louis and minnesota st louis receives mikhail abramov and adam godet toronto's first pick in 23 and ottawa's third round pick in 23 and toronto's second round pick in 2024 Minnesota receives Toronto's fourth round pick in 25. Three team trades are always fun. Um, It's already been written and well-established. If you really care about the logistics of it, don't come to us. We don't have enough time because we have a big interview coming. But Sarah, did you like this move for the Leafs? We're coming off a game last night where Ryan O'Reilly actually scores a hat trick against one of his former teams.
0: I think it's hilarious that Patrick Kane was salty about not getting traded to the Leafs or the Rangers, and he scored a hat trick. And then the next day, Ryan Riley's like, "Okay, I can do that too." <laughs> he did it, so that shows them. I he's not going to score a hat trick, and maybe he is going to score a hat trick every night. Who's to say? But I loved the deal at what was it seventy five percent discount? They're paying one point seven five something in a million ballpark. Yep. For Ryan freaking O'Reilly. And I think even at the cost, I don't know, they're in a position, the Leafs, right now, where they could do something else too. And I just think the way teams are taking advantage of like the third person and making huge discounts for players has been really interesting and good. And I think this is going to be one of Kyle Dubas's trademarks, or it might. Not to be dramatic, I don't think this will be what gets him fired. But at a certain point, if they don't get out of the first round, it'll be
2: bad. But I I like this for them. Shana, a lot of times when teams make a big trade like this, there's obviously repercussions through the lineup. And one of those that we're seeing at least early is that John Tavares is now playing on the wing. What are your thoughts, not on the trade in terms of the players that came to the Leafs, but what has the impact on the team been and do you like it?
1: so i don't know how long this is going to last the line of formation i think it was a smart start first of all a lot of centers credit shifting to the wing as good for their game you can focus more on your offense and it gives you a little bit more perspective i remember like david Krejci saying it and tyler sagan before like when they were shifted to the wing they liked the perspective they got when they went back to center and i fully expect john Tavares to go back to center eventually but. When you're trying to bring a player into your lineup and they did it really quickly for back-to-back games, you don't even get a full team practice. You don't get time to acclimate to their systems, which are totally different from the blues. And you're asking him to play a different role off the bat, a more offensive role that, you know, he's not, that's not what he's been doing lately He's more of that shutdown center. I think it's so much better to put him in a position to succeed. Don't even play games. They could have said you could have played the wing, which he's done before you were like, Nope. Here's the best place you can be. We know that you were good at playmaking this year. You didn't have anyone to finish your chances. Here's John Tavares. We know that you're a good shooter. Here's one of the best playmakers in the league and one of the best two-way players. So I think it was all about just getting him acclimated very quickly on the fly for three quick games. Then they can start practicing a little bit more and figure out everything from there. And you allow Tavares to get the perspective that he needs and just make it all click. And then they can figure it out from there. Do, do they want him to be the 3C? I think in certain matchups, you're going to want that one, two, three center depth, but if you put him there to start, like his wingers are going to be who Kerfoot and Engvall, like that's not the perfect position to start in. So I like that they eased him in, in that way. I like that you get to see that line pop off. Cause I think they're super fun. And I like that they're going to bring options for themselves because in the playoffs, we know you need to be adaptable. So it's good to know, Hey, he fits here and then they can swing him at center and go, Hey, we know he fits there and you can just easily adjust per game because you have all the time in the world to game plan for Tampa to try to finally beat them.
2: Well, it's quite an incredible move. It's the third year in a row that Toronto has traded for a captain. And somewhere along the way, our listeners have decided that I'm apparently the ultimate Leafs fan <laughs> on this podcast, which is hilarious because I'm the only one of us that currently works for a team. So if you're salty about this trade St. Louis Blues fans, apparently I'm to blame because the two previous years, the Leafs came for the captain of the team that I cover. So we have no captain in Seattle, so they had to come for you. Apologies. <laughs> they but already took your captain. They already took my captain. Oh, captain, my captain. No captain, my captain. So that's the big Toronto trade I'm in a slightly lesser move, but still hilarious because we're just going to file this under. I can't quit you, Tyler Mott. He's arranged her again. He comes back in exchange for Julian Gauthier and the seventh rounder. Tyler Mott is on his, what is this, 604th round as a New York Ranger. Uh, Sarah, do you like this move for the Big Apple team?
0: Yeah, why not? I, I think that's enough, though. Like, okay, we did it. <laughs> we did it. Now, don't ruin the future. I love what they did with what they have. Um, Gautier is still a good trade chip, even though he hasn't really contributed at the NHL level that people would have hoped. I covered him in Carolina. He is such a fun player with potential, but it just like for whatever reason, like can't he keeps getting on these teams that suddenly become getting good. So I think he needs like a to be on a bad team and figure things out and have the unless Ottawa gets deeper this summer and knocks him right (laughs) fucking out of slot. Yeah, it might not be in the cards. But hey, I I mean I like the insurance depth going into the playoffs. They got their sniper. They got this guy. Just don't trade for Patrick Kane because then you give up both of your first rounders and you're in a really good position where you at least have one and you're in a position where you can contend for the cup for a few more years. I don't understand why you're trading like future pieces away more than you need to just stop now. Dana, do you like this move?
1: Yeah, I like Tyler Mott a lot. We talked about him so much last postseason on how the Rangers needed to make in-game adjustments and how he was the player they should have used for him. And when they finally did, I think their whole postseason kind of turned around. He's a fourth line player. And I think that can get super overvalued, but the Rangers fourth line is very bad. Like the night before they were in Calgary and the fourth line did not play after I think it was a 31 minute mark because they were that bad. Um, so now you get a nice disruptor who's very good on the penalty kill. They can always use that, especially if you're you know, it's a team, if they go up against someone like New Jersey in round one, which is what we're all projecting, they need someone who's, who's not just a one dimensional fourth liner. They need someone with a little bit of pop, which he brings. Are they done though? I'm not sure because the coaches keep playing fourth line players in top six ro- top six roles. And I don't know if anybody wants to go into the postseason with like Jimmy Vesey as a first line right winger. So I'm not sure what they do, but you have the problem of like, who are the coaches willing to play? And they could also get a 4C or make Barkley Joe play there and get another fourth liner to shake things up the right way. But we'll see how that goes. But for now, it's a good, it's a good start. And Julian Gauthier would have been the healthy scratch if they just traded for Mott and only got, you know, only for a pick. So you would have had him like wasting away as a 13th forward. So good for him getting an
2: opportunity elsewhere. Awesome. Awesome. Well, there are still going to be trades to be made. One that's not going to be made, however, is the captain of the Chicago Blackhawks, and that's Jonathan Tays, um, who has finally um, made a statement to the media and the public as a whole that he will not be traded um, because of illness. He is still suffering the repercussions of long COVID, um, which had been an idea that was thrown out about his illness, but we weren't necessarily sure, so uh no jonathan Taze in terms of wearing a different jersey this year it seems it might still be in question if he's actually even going to play the balance of this season um first and foremost we of course for a full recovery to full health for jonathan Taze. but sarah uh, you know again the player had been hesitant to confirm what was going on with him which we certainly can understand but there's also sometimes a need to to share the details of your own personal experience um what did you make of this announcement
0: Yeah, it just sucks. I appreciate the transparency now about it. I think a lot of people are struggling with this around the world and even athletes doesn't really matter who you are. So I hope he gets better. It's nice that he's not putting teams like in jeopardy because of his own selfish needs. So do
2: what you have to do. I hope he makes a full recovery. So Shana with, with Jonathan Taze, uh, not, being on the trade market and Patrick Kane, either sulking or scoring hat tricks, who in your mind right now is the biggest remaining trade chip on the market in terms of forwards? Kimo Meyer, hands down. He is, no one is close
1: to him on that tier. It's amazing. Like you could want a young winger and even someone with term that maybe isn't that traditional rental expiring contract type of player. There is no one close to him available on the market. So, you know, anyone who has to find the runner up, I hope you have your expectations set appropriately and don't overspend.
0: I saw Frank Saravelli reported that the blues are interested in him. I'm like, how does that make sense? Or what? Quick turnaround. They don't want, they don't (laughs) want the teardown rebuild. They have three first round picks. They're
1: like, why not? And I would be so curious if I feel like chicken makes a ton of sense for them too. So imagine they were the team. They move out Perico, get some picks back for that too. And somehow score both of them. Like, That would be so wild. And I think it's something like the NHL needs to happen.
0: They say Rome was built in a day.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Amazing, amazing. Um, All right. Uh, We also will just update you because we are diligent in reporting to you all the news. McDavid scored 100 points in 57 games. Good for him. He doesn't like us, so we don't like him. Um, (laughs) But there is one more, um, two more bits of news here. Just breaking as we uh, came to record is that, again, it really has to be about the Leafs at all times. Um, (laughs) Jake Muzzin has been ruled out for the rest of the season and the playoffs. Uh, Shana, you were the one to see this news first. Just some really quick thoughts from you on this result for the Leafs. I think we all thought this was coming, but now it's official.
1: Yeah. I think Toronto's kind of like managed their defense with the idea in mind that he probably won't be returning. So, you know, this isn't like some big shock to them and they still might go out and get a defenseman because we know they need to maximize the next two years before, well, this postseason and then all of next year, considering the contract situations of Matthews, Nylander, then Marner. And I mean, I don't think Tavares's matters that much. That's so just going to be open cap space, but they have to like really go for it this and next year and, They it's not like they're like, oh, no, let's scramble. I still think they might look for a defenseman as long as, again, it's another three team trade or they're paying up for salary retention. They don't care about picks. And that's fine. If you know what your priorities are, go for it. So,
2: you know, now maybe they have the certainty to go for someone because he's not returning. Outstanding. Uh, One other piece of news that I know um, is certainly raising a lot of questions in a lot of different areas and it's unfortunate because uh, this is one of our our favorite players, friend of the pod, we've decided. Um, Colorado Avalanche, I'm going to call him a rover. I'm not even going to call him a defender. Yep. Kale McCarr is out with an upper body injury. I'm reading the reports of a tremendous uh, reporter, Peter Baugh, who covers the abs, um, out with an upper body injury day to day. Um, earlier this month, and this is, again, words of Peter Baugh, Makar was able to return to a game after clearing concussion protocol, but felt symptoms the next morning. Against St. Louis yesterday, this was the day in which it was announced that he was injured again, uh, he left the game after contact to the head face. Um Two Concussions. It's since come out that the spotter did not pull Kale McCarr from the game. Um, first and foremost, again, we want a full and complete recovery for Kale. Um, he's bringing so much to the game on and off the ice, which we appreciate, and I'm sure his loved ones and friends care ultimately about the person as well. But, Sarah, we continue to hear about the risks of concussions, and now it looks like we everyone even the quote-unquote unbiased people who are in this game who are supposed to protect players from themselves in these situations fell down on the job uh what was your reaction when you heard this news
0: yeah i think we need more of an investigation into what the concussion protocol is and what it should be and if it needs an update because clearly it failed shayna
1: yeah it the whole thing was really disappointing like First of all, I think you always need to be careful when it's the head. Second of all, if the player you know is coming back from a concussion, literally that day, you need yeah. to be even more on alert. This is a superstar. This is a face of the game. This is the face wow. of the team. One of the most important players. I think it was said, and I think it was Peter Ball who reported it, um, that he left the ice because he thought his visor cut his head, and it was it yeah. was an accident. I don't think it was some intentional malicious hit. I think it looked like completely incidental, but. You know, he returned to the game, it was four to one. And even when I saw that, and I assumed he was out because of a concussion spotter and pass protocol. Regardless, just look at him and go sit this one out. There's no reason to risk anything. It is four to one. Mm-hmm. This is your first game back. And even though nothing happened in the time he returned, it it just doesn't matter. And I think that's where like the breakdown is. It's unfortunate in his first game back. You can't do anything to avoid that when it's an accidental hit. But he, why did he return? And you just saw it. You literally just saw it where his symptoms were delayed. And they know this too. They have experience with it with Gabriel Landiscott a couple of years ago where his symptoms were delayed. And he was out a really long time with the concussion. So it's a really bad spot. Like there was no reason for him to not be pulled. Did I would be curious too? Like, did the spotters think he pulled himself from the game and they were like, okay, we don't have to pull him out? Mm. Because it, it could have looked that way. But if you're the coaches or you're the staff, just say, So you could sit on the bench, but you're not going back out there like your night's done. It doesn't matter. There's seven
2: minutes left of a game. It's four to one. Be done. And that didn't happen. Yeah, Yeah, I'm with Sarah. I think um, if we want to be better and if we want to protect, I mean, this is a superstar of the sport. If we want to be better and protect the stars who are going to make money, which is at the end of the day, what a lot of these people only care about. Nonetheless, you must have safety precautions in place, particularly when it comes to head injuries, so that you don't lose the player, more importantly, the person um, from just life, not just the game. So that concludes our bit on news. Usually we bring to you a member of the shit list, but today we are thrilled to have the anti shit list entry, a rare, rare occurrence here in too many men world. But we do have one every now and then there is a piece of information or a story that simultaneously all three of us or two of us post in the chat or just all react to and just really connect with. And that is the entry on our anti-shit list. This was a post that came out on Valentine's Day. And it's the wonderful, tremendous, and talented Tara Sloan, who covers the San Jose Sharks, Interviewing Brian Burke um, about Patrick Marlowe's upcoming number retirement, but also about hockey and the importance of the hockey community welcoming the LGBTQIA plus community. And Sarah, I know this connected with you not only because we are such fans of Tara's work, but also to hear the words of Brian Burke. Just can you walk our listeners through what this was all about? We'll, of course, share this link, but uh, what's important to take away from this?
0: Yeah, I think there were a lot of comments that people m- who might not know Brian Burke, um, they were just impressed that an old hockey curmudgeon was speaking up for LGBTQ plus rights in his curmudgeon-y way. Which we need more representation of that for sure, and it it shows like to not always stereotype people, and that is kind of like I wrote a story a few years ago when he was making fun of the storm surge, and people were kind of. Like good people in the Hurricanes community were like crapping on him, right? Like, oh, he's just another old man. I'm like, guys, he's actually kind of like he's an advocate for LGBTQ rights. His son um, came out as gay and we tragically lost him in a car accident a few years ago. But they they started You Can Play for him and his legacy lives on. And the Burke family has never been shy to support gay rights and Brian was at Pittsburgh prides over the summer. So that's really nice. But yeah, he just, he was not impressed by the way that some players are not wearing pride jerseys, but at the same time, he can speak on how things aren't as dire because he's been a, a, alive and around for so long that he does think things are going in the right direction in hockey, which is nice to hear. Um, I don't know. I, I think I was more impressed that like this question is being asked. I'm just really impressed by Tara in her new role, which is kind of around the community in San Jose. I think having someone of her caliber whose job it is right now to interview maybe marginalized communities and things about marginalized communities in hockey, like that's her sole job right now. I think it's just awesome.
2: Shana, I personally think it's important to have an old curmudgeon hockey guy show the other old curmudgeony hockey guys that they can change their position on, on this issue. And this is the kind of individual who can call out a player or a team or an organization that makes choices to not support pride. Uh, what did you think when you saw this interview?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That like, you can disagree with Brian Burke on a lot of things like his hockey takes, like, you know, when he was on the Sportsnet broadcast, I would find myself like rolling my eyes, shaking my head at a lot of things he said, and that's totally fine but about the important issues, he's always so spot on about it. And he's the person in a position that can do it, that will make people listen. He's a huge supporter of women's hockey. And we hear it all the time, him not just promoting it, but saying things like, buy season tickets, you wanna support them, get off your ass and show up and buy season tickets. Like he is a big a big voice for them too. But with this, I love it. There's, there's no bullshit, there's no nothing. Like mm-hmm. he knows where things have gone. He knows where things need to go. And it's so refreshing and it's nice to hear him be candid about it. And it's Tara's the perfect person to be asking these questions. She knows how to do it. She also knows him very well, Um, but it's just like that. That's what we need more of. And I hope others in her capacity, her role, take notes on how to ask it. And I hope others, you know, other hockey men take notes from him. And it's not like this is anything new from him, but I don't see him. I don't know, losing his job, having anything happen to him for, you know, trying to be a good person. I don't see any bad repercussions. Like it's almost like you could just say what you want about things like this and try to be a good human for five seconds. And the most you'll get is a couple of people being like, Hey, thank, thank you. Thank you for doing that. Who knew? There's
0: different different ways to be an ally. And I think sometimes people get lost in, oh, you have to be the wokest yep. person in the world because that's a bad faith talking point from people who don't want more wokeness. And no, you don't have <laughs> to take, wokeness. you don't have to get I'm offended sorry. at, <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't have to get offended at things you don't like want to, I don't know. Like there's different ways to show your support on whatever way you feel comfortable showing it, but it's important that you do show it.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, my friend's, those are the hot headlines and our one entry on the anti-shit list. We want to turn you over to a delightful conversation. Um, we have rambled on and on on this show about our crazy goaltending ideas. We've got Shayna screaming at goaltenders on the bench. You've got me switching them in and out for penalties. You've got Sarah. Sarah's yelling at them now. too. <laughs> We're the two me coaches. Yes. It's not just me. We're a team. The team We're that nobody team. wants
1: or needs. <laughs> The two coaches getting bounced every fucking game. A referee's nightmare,
2: a goalie's nightmare. <laughs> Hire us, teams. Mm-hmm. We're ready. Hire us, teams. Well, we decided that it was important for us to see how crazy or not crazy we were. And so thanks to Shayna's tremendous network, because she is the bestest, she brought us a guest. Shayna, tell us who the people are about to hear from. We brought good friend with the podcast
1: and goalie, goalie extraordinaire, Marty Veran, to hear our ideas, tell us what's good, what's not, and, you know, bring a couple ideas of his own.
0: Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook?
3: Yep, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard, and I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere.
2: Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah. I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook.
3: Got it. it Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. This episode is brought to you by Chevrolet. Now's your chance to support a team with real grit. The Chevy ZR2 family of off-road trucks. The first ever Silverado HD ZR2 joins the all-new Colorado ZR2 and the Silverado ZR2 for a commanding lineup of off-road ready trucks. Equipped to take on anything this season throws their way. Visit Chevy.com to learn more. We've been talking
1: about a goalie panel because literally no one understands goaltending except for actual goalies. So we have an expert here. Our friend, Marty Baran, is here to listen to our batched ideas and tell us whether or not they check out or not.
3: Marty, I can't wait. I can't wait. Bring it because uh, I'm a conservative when it comes to goalie minds. Uh, at heart, but I love crazy ideas, so let's let's bring it.
1: Um, I'm going to ask first, and then you two jump in. Do you think goaltenders should take their own penalties and sit in the box for two minutes?
3: No, I don't. Uh, you'd be in a lot of <laughs> trouble if you took a penalty, and then the other guy went in and took a penalty himself or herself. And, but I remember a game where I was sitting on the bench, and one of our players got a five minute, a two, a 10, a game or whatnot. And Lindy Ruff was in a heated argument with the referee, wanting me as the backup to go serve the 10-minute misconduct. He's just like, Marty, you're going. I'm like, that's impossible. And then he got heated with the referee. So, look, I think people have thought about it, but I don't think goalies should serve their own penalties now.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, should goaltenders be deployed as specialists? For example, if a goaltender is really good in penalty kill situations, should a coach be able to and intentionally switch out a goaltender based on game situation?
3: Okay, that's, uh, yes, you could do that. Um, I don't know that I would do it. And the only reason is, I remember years and years ago in juniors, so Manny Fernandez was fighting for the lowest goals against average in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League him and Philip DeRouville were like basically neck at neck in the last game. And I believe it was Michelle Therrien who was the coach of Laval, and basically sent out Manny only on power play situations. So he would get like minutes without giving up goals. And it backfired, and Manny gave up a shorthanded goal and then had to stay for the rest of the game, gave up three more goals. And I think he lost out to DeRouville for the lowest goals against average that year. So <laughs> I think if you try to play around with that too much, um, it may end up backfiring at some point. Uh, we've seen it with shootouts, right? Where, um, Oh, Ty Conklin, I think one year, got pulled right at the start of the shootout. And he was upset, throwing his mask on the bench with the Edmonton Orlers. Uh I went in cold in the shootout one time, but it was because of an injury. Uh, and it didn't work well. I got scored by, uh, I think it was Marty Stracca. First, so or maybe it was uh, Nylander first, and then Jager But anyway, like it just, I think it would backfire. But I like the idea of maybe shootout specialists, but I don't know about penalty kill specialists.
0: You have a really good memory.
3: <laughs> um. I, well, I appreciate that. Uh, I think it comes with the territory, right? Like I. Especially when you give up goals, you remember those a lot more. <laughs> oh, or bad God. games, you remember that a lot more.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you one that I genuinely believe, and I've talked to some professional goalies, and they either are like very for it or very against it. Should teams carry three goalies?
3: No. Um, I, and especially since COVID, I think it has been – the 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 thing that been discussed, right? Like three goalies to make sure that we don't have to deal with a knee bug. Uh, practicing with three goalies is about the worst thing in the world. Um, I I've done it for almost a full season with the New York Islanders. I joined the Islanders in 9 '10. Uh, I signed because Rick DiPietro was basically not ready to come. Uh, back to action until November, or December. So it's me and Dwayne Rollison. And then DP started practicing, and then there's three of us, and it sucked. It really does. And then I'm the healthy scratch, and then I just like show up for practice the next day, and there's no really need for me to be there. I'm not practicing for anything. It just was brutal. One of my worst experiences. Not because, I mean, the team was fun. Like John Tavares, Matt Molson, Bruno Gervais. Like uh, we had a lot of. Um, Mark We had a lot of great guys and they were really supportive, but it just sucked to have three. Um, I wouldn't carry three goalies. I I just don't see the need. I actually think it's a pet peeve of mine when I watch college hockey and they have three goalies and they dress three goalies. I'm like, why do you need two guys on the bench? It takes away too much space. There's not enough space anyway. So that's a pet peeve of mine in college hockey.
0: Did you watch the Beanpot last
3: night? I did. I I caught it from afar. So we were getting ready for the Sabres late, uh, you know, Sabres after dark in L.A. And obviously, Devin Levi is a Sabres prospect. So I paid attention to it. Shootout. Again, I'm not sure that I like a five-minute three-on-three overtime and then a shootout for the Beanpot final. But, I mean, it's college hockey. They do what they do.
1: Yeah, we never need shootouts as, like, a decider. Okay, so... Thinking more about goalie rotations. Should we see more goalie rotations within games if someone's having a bad night? Like, what are your thoughts on maybe pulling a goalie for 10 minutes in a nice
3: way? Not telling them to get the
1: fuck out, because I've learned that's not the way (laughs) to do it. But sitting them for 10 minutes, letting them cool off, and then at a commercial break, throwing them back in.
3: So that is a very common practice in, like, youth hockey, right? You don't want to pull the goalie. You just want to settle them down. And at some point, I think it just doesn't happen anymore. Now, I'll be honest with you. I've been in those situations. It depends on the goaltender because as you usually can tell, I watch the goalies, uh, you know, when they start giving up a goal in two and you look at them, if they're looking at the bench, like are they looking at their coach? Like as soon as you start looking at your coach, or your coach pulls you, you're mentally kind of checked out. You're like, okay, my night's over. I'm done. And to re engage is kind of hard. But if you have a goalie, that, a, go, a coach that wants to do that often and that you know, um, I think you could do it. And also, I, I, I mean, maybe it's a cliche, but there's also a, an energy surge sometimes. You pull your goalie, your team starts playing a little bit better. Okay, now we're going to put our other goalie back in because that's his game. He needs to finish the game in the NHL and we'll see what happens. Marty, are you ready
2: for this one? What is goaltender interference? And should there be a goalie in the situation room to help decipher what it actually is?
3: Well, I'm sh- I'm sure on occasion there is a goalie in the Situation Room. Um, I've talked to Kay Whitmore about it plenty of times, and, and Kay is involved in there at times. Uh, he's our big goalie guru in the NHL that checks the equipment and puts it all together and all. Um, yeah, what is goalie interference? I've read Rule 69 back and forth and back and forth. I know it by heart. Um, there's times I get it wrong. and And I don't get it wrong because – I don't see the situation wrong. I get it wrong because there's a little fine print or a little piece of the rule book that kind of allows you to make a decision. Loose puck and rebounds, for example. Like how do you define a loose puck and a rebound and, and where is contact allowed in that situation alone? So to me, that's becoming a little bit gray. It's not so much black and white. Look, look, there's a situation. There's a bump. It's no goal. So in inside the crease, I think they've been pretty consistent. There's contact inside the crease; it's not going to be a goal. We waved that off. Now, outside the crease or just borderline around the edge of the crease, it's been, it's been tough. So I agree with you. It's uh, for a lot of people. It's been very tough. Um, I like to make my mind. I see the play. I make a call, and I try to stick to it. And then I see what happened. And I, I'm not saying I'm 50-50. I'm I've got a better percentage than that, but it's uh, sometimes I still get it wrong and it frustrates me.
2: Do you think that goaltenders feel protected, right? Because that was the intention of the rule. But do you think goaltenders are frustrated by how the calls calls go? Or do you think they feel like most times officials are getting it right?
3: I, I talked to a few goalies about that. I think they feel officials mostly get it right. Goalies are more frustrated when a goal gets taken away at the other end. And they're like, wait a second, because Sarah, we have good memories for goals that we've given up that maybe shouldn't have been given up. Then you're like, hey, wait, a month ago, I got the same call, well, a different call, but the same situation and they counted it. And so I think that's where goalies get frustrated with it more because they remember their own experiences. Uh, but I know this is a tough one. We just had a debate the other day about uh, kicking the puck, right? And I what's a kick, define a kick. And I understand too. you know, you need to protect the goalies. I would not want my neck down on the ice, my hands down on the ice, and players swinging their sticks at the puck. Look, I've become good friends with Clint Melanchuk over the years, and that was one of the scariest incidents I've ever seen. And I was a kid, and, and I... I was worried about going back to practice the next day because of it. So I don't want to see that, but could we make a rule now that anything off your skate outside the crease is a good goal, but anything off your skate inside the crease is a no goal. It doesn't matter if it's kicked in or not. If your skate hits the puck in the crease, it's no goal. But outside the crease, you want to give it a good kick, or you want to swipe your leg, then go for it. I think there's a way to tweak that and make it, a little bit better for the fans to understand again the definition of what is a kicking motion. Like that's hard to uh, to interpret uh, sometimes.
1: Okay, so you jumped on something I was actually about to ask you about. Do you think skaters should be allowed in the crease? Should that be an automatic penalty? Should
3: every play not count if a you know skater enters the crease at all? I, we tried that and it was an absolute disaster. And I remember a game in Edmonton. I went in. Um, no, maybe I was playing the whole game, but anyway, the score is like six to two for the Oilers. And there's a goal late in the third. That's going to make it seven to two. And Terry Gregson was the uh, official to my right. And he's pointing at the puck. I did that good goal. And I'm like, damn it! like, this is just a terrible night. Like, get me out of here. Right. Let's go running clock. Let's go. And then all of a sudden I see the officials getting to the penalty box. And within like 30 seconds, We have no goal in the play, skate in the crease. It had nothing to do with my job as a goaltender. It was a toe in the crease about like six feet away from me, but it was the rule at the time. Here in Buffalo, we remember the Brett Hall situation, Stanley Cup winning goal in overtime late in the middle of the night. Um, So, no, I think the crease should be for everybody to get to. You just have to have – Awareness, Like, I don't think it should be like lacrosse, right, where you step in the crease and you're out. But soccer, you can run around the crease. I mean, I think it should be uh, uh, available for everybody, but you still have to have some rules in it.
0: You just brought back some bad memories of me getting penalties as a lacrosse defenseman. I was very bad at stepping in the crease.
3: <laughs> I, my son played lacrosse his senior year of high school and I was never so confused with the rules and the penalties. And,
0: it's tough. It's and like they're tough yelling, touch, touch.
3: It touch. I was field lacrosse. And they're yelling, touch. I'm like, touch what? Because they have to get the touch in the box and the whole thing. And And he was just a backup goalie, so he played a little bit. He was with his buddies, and it was fun. But I was never so confused when it comes to field lacrosse. It's tough. We
0: said you're a hard no on carrying three goalies, but should the two goalies, should one start more back-to-backs? Like, if a goalie's getting hot, do you think keep it going or no?
3: Absolutely. I do not like the, the idea behind the fact that all oh, goalies should not play back to back. Even as a backup goaltender to Henrik Lundqvist, I used to look at the schedule and say, OK, we got Friday, Saturday. I'm probably going to play Friday or Saturday, most likely Saturday, especially if it was on the road and against the Western Can- uh, Western uh, Conference team. Right. I was like, that's going to be my game. But I remember talking to Hank about it, and and especially because Lundqvist was so mentally tuned in, right? And it took him some time to mentally, like, release, and then, I'm like, is it better, or would it be better if you turned it on on Friday and you kept it on until Saturday night, and then after that, you had Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to just let it out, let this team out, because then he was playing Friday, I was playing Saturday, he had the game Monday, he had the game Wednesday, he had the game, like, there was never a four-day break or five-day break for him to just be let's let this team out and i felt like in the end it would be more beneficial if he played friday saturday sometimes and then i got the tuesday game and he didn't play until the next thursday now i understand that the data over the last few years shows that the goalies that play back to back on the second game they're not as sharp well yes because they don't do it often enough. Mm-hmm. They're not physically and mentally in that rhythm. My The year after Dominic Ashton left Buffalo and was traded to Detroit, I played 72 games. And I remember my agent thinking, that's too much. You're, you're going to wear, wear out. You're going to be exhausted. And physically, I didn't feel exhausted. Maybe mentally at some point, like you start to to tired up a little bit. But I don't think goalies would physically get tired playing in back-to-back situation and if you train them to play more back-to-back situation mentally they would stay engaged for 48 hours you know friday morning you go to morning skate you start your mental preparation you play that night and then boom you 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 play saturday and you stay engaged for 48 hours and then you take a break for four days now i'm not saying you do that every back-to-back situations but the data shows that, well, goalies have a drop-off in the second game of a back-to-back. Well, yeah, obviously, nobody does it. And when you do it, it's a surprise to your body. It's a surprise to your mind. It's a surprise to everything. You may not perform as well because you're not ready. But we used to have back-to-backs in the playoffs. And there's never a time that Dominic Ashley would say, I'm not going to play the second game of a back-to-back <laughs> in the playoffs or Lundqvist or Miller, right? Like, my first playoff series, oh seven, oh eight with the flyers game six and game seven were back-to-back played game six in philly lost took the train went to washington played game seven the very next day like you got to play it right and we won so i think goalies should play more back-to-backs i totally am on board with that
1: love that okay so we talk about coaches pulling goalies and nobody understands goaltending like a goaltender Should a goalie ever be allowed to pull themselves from a game and not like they just allowed six goals against like if they're feeling shaky, should a goalie ever be allowed to go like the vibes aren't right tonight? (laughs)
3: Um, yes, they should be allowed to, but that would never happen. And I'll give you a a good example is. Um, and Sarah, uh, your tweet with Rod Brindamore about him him not drinking coffee is fantastic because I don't drink coffee. And the one year in Philly, you know, I'm looking around and guys are popping Red Bull right before the game and they're really fired up. And <laughs> I don't drink coffee, I don't drink caffeine. So we're playing Boston at home, and uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna give it a try stupid me. Like I should have tried it in practice one day to see how my body was going to react to drinking a Red Bull before <laughs> the game. But I drank a Red Bull before warm up. Middle oh of the first God. period, I literally could see like five bucks and 12 Boston Bruins on the ice, right? Like I'm like shaking. Glenn Marie shot it from outside the blue line on the wrist shot and it beat me eye blocker. Like my eyes were jittery, my body was jittery. I probably should have gone to the bench and said, listen, get me out of here. Like I'm not right. Um, never would I've ever done that. And I don't think anybody would, but th- that would be a situation where you should be able to say things are not really good. I need to do it. Red bull gave you wings. <laughs> um, yeah, that wasn't good. It wasn't the, uh, the wings that I needed. And I remember it was also uh dad's trip night and my dad was there and he's like, what the hell was that all about? <laughs> I'm like, you don't want to know. <laughs>
2: All right, Marty. Obviously, you are a student of the game as well as a player of the game. Is there anyone who's playing goaltender right now that you're watching because they're maybe doing something innovative or something different in the position that is new that others haven't done before?
3: So I, that's a great question because I remember when Jonathan Quick came onto the scene and he was on his knees, reverse VH, and and for years, you know, we were like VH. That's the way to play the post, right? And then you realize that this kid is coming in and all of a sudden he's got this athletic ability that not a lot of people do have, but you can work on it. And it was so unique and it was so good. Um, so a goalie around the NHL that has athletic ability that I turned the games on, there's a few of them. I was not flexible. I was as stiff as a bar. And I know there's some goalies out there that are really good, very stiff. Connor Hellebuck's a stiff goaltender. He's really good, but he's a stiff goaltender. Uh, Freddie Anderson's a really good goaltender, but he's a stiff goaltender. There is, the, but get me a flexible goaltender that's under control, that is explosive, a Vasilevsky, uh, you know, a Shostakovich, that sort, a UC Soros. Like, I'll turn the, on the game just to see them because I couldn't do it. I, I was not like that. So those are the guys that I think have taken the game another step, and now you know, watch Devin Levi in the beanpot final. And I'm okay. like, look at how athletic, uh, flexible, uh, uh, in, in control. Like he's so strong with his core and his hips and his groin and to be able to go full split and then back to his feet. And so to me, that is going to be the next 10 years of goaltending. Like. I remember trying to do yoga and Pilates and I was like, this doesn't (laughs) work for me. Like I've got legs like this. I'm like, I'm not flexible, but I wish that when I was 18, that would have been what we were told to do. So if i was talking a 16 17 year old goaltender that's playing midget hockey or junior hockey going in that's what you got to do you got to build that flexibility that core strength because that's where the game is going now the stiff goaltenders they're still going to be able to do it but there's not as many of them that do it well that
1: makes a ton of sense it's all about like training right and changing the way we think of it so Let's talk about, you know, e-bugs. Do we need to change the e-bug situation? Should a skater be the one that has to go in net or should we have an e-bug in the building? And what would it take for you to be an e-bug?
3: Well, first of all, it would take me probably a time machine for at least five or six years (laughs) to be an e-bug because I barely play goalie anymore. I put the gear once a year maybe and I I feel like I'm going to get hurt every time. Um, So... I don't mind the e-bug situation uh, as long as it's not overused and I don't want to say overused, you got to use an emergency backup when there's an emergency. I totally get that. It seems to be more emergencies now. We never had that issue, like never. Would there be a situation where both goaltenders would be hurt to to be out of the game and you got to put an emergency backup? But I remember back in the days, Jay McKee was a, a defenseman for us. He sometimes would put on the gear in practice for fun on an optional day, and we knew that if there was an issue, Jay McKee was going to put the gear and going to have to play for you know a period or more, depending on the situation. So, yeah, I don't know that you want to risk putting a player in that that maybe never does it. And I never see players messing around in, in goalie gear in practice anymore because there's the emergency backup. But those guys that are emergency backup usually practice with the teams. And that's where it becomes a little tricky, right? Like uh, David Ayers with the Toronto Maple Leafs, like having to go in with Carolina. And then the guys all know him because he skates with them regularly. And that's the tricky part of it. But I don't think there's any other solution other than saying, you know what? That's it. Your one goalie goes out. Your second goalie goes out. You got to play with six players. That that's what it is. That you know we don't no bring goalies. the emergency goalie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. That's it. Right here. That's, that's the headline. I mean, coaches yes. pull their goalies with six minutes left in the game. What if there's six minutes left and your second goalie gets hurt? Well, go with six players. I love it. And if I you want a. to stand in
1: net, go off, right? Take a blocker, <laughs> hop in net, and get ready. I've, I've
3: seen players also, like, turn their stick over and play actual goalie. I've seen Ovechkin do it. Now, do I want Ovechkin to block a slap shot? Uh, no. And But also, like, you can't have a rule saying, okay, we're not allowed slap shots. Like, beer league rule. If there's no goalies because they're both hurt, no slap shots allowed. Like, you want to be at least giving those players a chance. But I have a crazy one for you guys. Um, And this is because I sucked at shootout. I was terrible in shootouts. And I go back to, oh, man, many, many years ago. um, And now I'm blanking on his name, and I feel shame for blanking on his name. He was a coach that had these crazy ideas. Anyway, I'll, I'll come back. But he wanted to put a defenseman in the crease for a penalty shot because Roger Nilsson, Roger Nilsson, he's such an innovator, he wanted to put a defenseman in the crease on a penalty shot situation because he thought, why not, right? He'll come out and play it one-on-one and be able to gap up. And so penalty shots rules now are you have to have a goaltender and you can't leave your crease until the player touches the puck at center ice. How about this? And I tried it in practice and I think it, would work maybe if it was a surprise? <laughs> how about the goalie in a penalty shot or shootout attempt come charging out and then plays the shooter yes, as yes. a defenseman? One right? On because I was terrible and I thought, how can I gain an advantage? So you play it one-on-one. You go out, you stop, you pivot, you're backing up, you're, you're gapping up, you're taking an angle. I almost feel like that would have a better that would be a percentage than, than actually facing a shooter in the crease it'd be amazing. fun. Amazing. amazing. Now they'd have another line on the ice and say goalies are not allowed to go past You're this right. line <laughs> ever. They would exactly. like a trapezoid it's too line. Good
1: at it. Yeah. Right. Exactly,
3: that's exactly. Right. A trapezoid, but in front of the uh, the icing line. But I thought about that and that's how my mind goes. I've got a lot of crazy ideas when it comes to strategy and structure. I've mentioned it to a few coaches and they look at me like I've got three heads. Um, <laughs> I, I I feel like Teams are good enough to defend with four skaters at times. Why not oh. just keep somebody at the far blue line and cherry pick, like on certain situations and say, hey, the first 30 seconds in zone, maybe we'll try to defend with four. And as soon as we got the puck, we'll shoot it out and hope for breakaway. Like, why not? Why Like, we did that as a kid, as kids in the street all the time. Like, we cherry picked because we wanted to score goals and it worked. And don't know that it would work in the NHL, but I was a goalie that would sit on the bench and think about it. And I'm like, what if we just had four really good penalty killers with a good breakaway player at the far blue line? Like, what, 89%, 85% success rate on the penalty kill. Put your best ones out there and send the puck out to the far blue line for a breakaway. It's
0: kind of like, not to bring up Rod Brindamore again, but it reminds me of, like, what he's doing now where he has Sebastian Aho and Tavo Taravainen on the penalty kill, and they have a lot of, shorthanded goals. That's the word for it. It was escaping my mind. But It's like the game is so fluid now, right? Where defensemen have to kind of jump the rush and be forwards too. So I like it. I like the take.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I know. I think, but nobody's going to want to try it at the NHL level. And it's the same thing with goalies, right? We have all these crazy ideas. Like, I love equipment, but I think at some point the equipment's gonna again need to be looked at uh man, you should see like I used to have seven eight leather straps on my pads and it was heavy and it was you know uh not the way it is now they got two velcros boom 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 the pads are on you know the the pants are very protective everything works I we may have to look at the equipment again at some point, but when it comes to structure, it's so embedded into the the game that. Doing the trap, right? Jacques Lemire with the devils in the trap was like a crazy idea. And then everybody came about. And so I'd like to see one coach, right? Like there's Chicago, you're not making the playoff. How about you put Andreas yeah. at Tennessee or Max Domi or Patrick Kane at the far blue line and let your guys play four on five for a little bit and send it to that player at the far blue line and see what happens. I think we know yeah. who our next candidate for a new NHL head coach is here. Yes. No, no, I no, think no. we got it. I just we I have great ideas need. when it comes to that sometimes, but I am the worst bench person. <laughs> um, I coach like Bantam a little bit and Midget a little bit. And and when I had to fill in for the head coach, and the guys all look at me and they're like, who's next? Uh, and looking at the, I have zero idea <laughs> on how the bench is controlled. I never had to do it as a player, but no, no way. I'm terrible. <laughs>
2: All right, Marty. Well, you are a living legend. This has been so much fun. We do not let you go, though, without playing our favorite game. It's how we end every episode. Um, okay. have you have you heard of the fuck Mary Kill game? Have you heard yes. of
3: this? Okay. Yes, I, I kind of had okay. a feeling we were gonna go there. Okay. So
2: I, okay. <laughs> I I'm not
3: prepared or anything, but yes, you, okay.
2: Okay, so here's your choices as a goaltender. Yes. Fuck Mary Kill, an odd man rush against.
3: Okay. shoot out oh, rebounds. That's... Okay. That's easy. Like you killed a shootout. Like I was <laughs> terrible at it. Uh, I am going to marry the rebounds and um, I'm going to fuck the uh, two on one, the odd man rush. And uh, the reason for marrying the rebound is I was always feeling good about either, my rebound location or even giving up rebounds i like to have the rebound right in front of me i felt like it was it boosted my shot against anyway when i gave up a rebound and it was right in front of <laughs> me i got a second and a third and a fourth it was great but yeah so i would say i would uh fuck the on men rushes marry the rebound and kill the shootouts amazing amazing, amazing. Marty, thank you so much.
2: We're going to have to have you back. You may be top guest of all time. Already, this is uh, awesome. You guys We're just a the
3: Rankings. I love it. You guys do a great job. Uh, I'll come back anytime, and we can talk about more goalie crazy ideas. If I'll, I'll have a folder on my phone now, every time I think of something crazy goalie ideas, I'll put them down, and we'll have to revisit that in a few months. Let's do
2: it. We're Absolutely. here for it. Absolutely. Thank you, Marty.
3: Thank you, guys. Thank you.
2: Y'all, I am still, that is still one of the best conversations I think I've ever had with a player, past, present, or even future. Um, again, huge kudos to Shayna for making that happen. Thank you. Uh, we've got some other guests, we've got some invites out to, so we'll see what we can do coming up. Um, but you might like some of them, we think. Um, as we've done when we've had a guest in the past, we want to wrap with our favorite game again, which is Fuck, Mary, Kill. And we're going to do the same that we asked our guests to do. Shana, as the person who made the interview happen, you get to go first. Are you ready? Yes. Can I ask a question? Oh, here we go. Yes.
1: <laughs> Are we answering this
2: as a neutral party or if we were goalies? I think you can do it either way. Just clarify which one. Okay. Do you want me to say they're odd man rush, shootout, or rebound? And okay. I was surprised by Marty's answers personally, but go ahead.
1: I am going to as both a viewer and a goalie kill the shootout. I think that I think that watching like a skills competition is honestly fun. I enjoy it all the time seeing the moves you know players bring out. That's not it for me. Um <laughs> I am going to fuck a rebound. I think that second chance opportunities can be like the most dangerous and I think from a viewer perspective and I would assume from a goalie perspective like when you see those big saves and I think of like even like Jake Otton during the playoffs against the Flames, I remember it was like the best save of the postseason was like this incredible, like rebound, second, you know, second effort that he was able to stop. I feel like that's like the energy boost and the good vibes. But I also feel like that is a lot of goals against can happen that way. So and sometimes the goalie doesn't get the proper credit because there's so much chaos in front of the net. So we'll only fuck that because there's some downsides. And okay. I will marry. The odd man rush, because I feel like that is the perfect way to showcase a goalie skills when you see them stop the odd man rush opportunity. And then from a skater's perspective, I think that it's so exciting when you see these like speedy, fast, skillful plays, especially like really crafty passing plays. I like them. So I will marry that. I think there's like a nice consistency to them on either side of the equation.
0: Sarah? okay, I'm going to marry this shootout because I'm lazy and I lack accountability and no one's going to get <laughs> mad at me if I lose the shootout. Like, you should have scored then. I'm going to kill a rebound because I'm lazy. I don't I don't want to do all that. I get it on the first try or not. And I am going to fuck the odd man rush because it looks like I put a lot of effort. I mean, you do put a lot of effort into that. But like, it looks it like only on, on the surface looks like yeah. it. <laughs> but I think it lazy. would be impressive. So, Allison.
2: Amazing. I am going to marry the odd man rush for a lot of the same reasons as Shana because we know that that can often lead to the use of one of the most dangerous passes in hockey and I love to see it and I'm speaking as an observer because I also do love to learn and study how goaltenders react and the choices they make in the moment and how the whole play happens. So, I'm going to marry the odd man rush. That's my favorite. I'm going to kill the rebound because the goaltender could have just froze the puck in the first place. I like it's just kind of garbage play. Like I get it, Shane, your points are all very valid and I hear you. I just I it yeah. Nah. I
1: get it. no, that's um, a good point. If you just freeze it in the first place, sometimes you can't, but if you can and just stop right, play, no, sure.
2: like how many times are you screaming at? Like, just cover it, just stop play, just give everyone <laughs> right. a freezer. Like, here's the thing I'm with you. Like, there are some great, like, rebound plays, like net net front, but there's too many bad, juicy rebounds that negate my enjoyment of the play as a whole. Um, and so therefore, I will fuck the shootout because who was it we were watching this weekend, Shane? Was it was it Shusterkin? Was that what the what was that? No. Yeah, it was Shesturkin against yeah, Jack Campbell. Shesturkin. Yes, like shesterkin and his choices and how he was playing each shootout was again as an observer i liked i would love to learn from a goaltender how the strategy behind the response to each even though the plays are garbage plays and it's skill play and that shouldn't decide a game and that is my belief on all things hockey okay we did it team we Um, did it we did it Uh, (laughs) thank you all for listening um hopefully you enjoyed that interview as much as we did um please do connect with us outside of the show you can follow us on the socials at two underscore much underscore man on both twitter and instagram let us know what you think let us know what you want to hear us talk about submit your fuck mary kill nominations and we will take it all in unless we don't like it and then we will dismiss it right away (laughs) uh please do remember that we have merch including new merch like the burn books the notebooks the apple watch bands and more and there's more stuff coming soon we turn all of those proceeds right around and deliver them back to organizations that are helping us do what we ask of you to do every single episode and that is do something no matter how big or small every day to make sure that hockey truly is for everyone we'll talk to y'all soon love you bye